Hey folks, welcome to Bad GM's Campaign Build-Along. I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and this is the show where we build an entire campaign for you from scratch that you can run for your group starting as soon as tonight. This season we're building for the Fallout role-playing game, and if you don't already have a copy, you can pick one up at your local game or bookstore or from the Modifius website. It's M-O-D-I-P-H-I-U-S dot net. Before we get started this week, I wanted to address a question I've gotten multiple times on the socials the past couple of weeks. Am I ever going to just create a campaign without running my group through it? Well, the answer is this. I'm all about creating campaigns for folks. I've just found it easier to create for my group because I get to test out what I've written and therefore become better at what I do, in my opinion. That being said, if you're interested in me just creating a campaign, reach out to me in all the usual ways, which I'll lay out again at the show close, and let me know what game you'd like to see me do. If I get enough requests, I'll do a special season of game creation. It's probably not going to be on this feed, but I will do one. We'll make it an exclusive to one of the socials or to the website, and if you guys are interested, we'll figure out how we're going to do it at that time. Otherwise, I'm just going to pick another game when we get around to Season 3. And I should point out that if I'm not GMing the next game my group plays, Season 3 will be just a campaign build. So there's that to consider as well. With that, it's time to build. Last week, we picked up our campaign and sent our group on their first paid job, which was to rescue the two granddaughters of an older man who needed their help. We closed with them being successful, then had the players level up their characters. This week, our build will have the group come into contact with one of our smaller groups of bad guys, so we need to lay out some parameters. We're bringing in some of the acolytes of Carvin Marvin, and they are particularly nasty dudes. I'm going to do my best to keep the descriptions of what they do to people as tame as possible. Since I've stated from day one of this podcast, I'm doing my best to keep it suitable for kids and for listening to at work. So, you should feel free to crank up the descriptions to fit your group's style. You know what they expect. You know what they can handle. So if you want to do more, then do it. I probably will for my group, but I wanted to keep it vanilla for those who don't like going that far. The basics we need to know about the individuals the group will encounter today is that they've been basically brainwashed into believing Marvin's doctrine. That means they can't easily be reasoned with, and they're more apt to at least try to kill everyone before they'd even consider running. That will include robots, since Marvin's not a big fan of them either. Now, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Like I said, if you want tame, go tame. If you want scary, be scary. If you're into blood and guts, you get the point. Use whatever methods you feel necessary to get you in the right headspace to run the encounter the way you feel you need to. Anyway, we need to build up these acolytes. I could just use one of the NPCs from the Fallout book, but I fell into that trap one too many times last season, and I think we need to get into the habit of building up some of our NPCs to fit our game. Fortunately for us, it only takes about 10 minutes to work up a character, so building NPCs for our game will be a quick and fairly easy process. Heck, it's going to be even easier for you since I've already done the legwork. There are a few options you'll need to choose from, though, since these characters need to fit your game. I'm building one character here, with the idea being we can tweak it a bit for multiple NPCs. We'll start with the Survivor Origin, which gives us our choice of two talents or one talent plus an extra perk. I chose the one-in-one option, and the talent is Gifted, which means we get to pick two of our specials and increase each by one. So why don't we look at Special? 
Each score starts at five, and we've got five extra points to spend. I started by dropping Charisma, Intelligence, and Luck to four, which gives us three extra points to use. The two increases from Gifted go to Strength and Endurance, so they'll start here at six. So here's what the stats look like after I wound up spending the points I had left over. Strength is seven, Perception, ten, Endurance, six, Charisma, Intelligence, and Luck are four, and Agility is seven. Now, you might be asking why I dropped three scores down to four. For me, Marvin's Carvins are not the smartest or most charismatic individuals. They absolutely buy every word that comes out of Marvin's mouth. So they're the sheep either doing the slaughtering or being led to it. I needed to drop luck to four to get the extra point I needed to increase the others appropriately. So that's why I did it. Yes, I know the gifted trait means these guys only have three luck points, but we'll deal with that. Let's move on to skills. Our three tags are energy weapons, melee weapons, and small guns. Those each start with two ranks, and we've got 13 total points to spend. Here's how it looks. Our tag skills go to three each. We'll take athletics at three, explosives and throwing at two, and unarmed at two. Again, these are brute killers, so we're building them accordingly. For our perks, we're taking center mass and meltdown. Center mass is explained on page 62 and meltdown is on 67, so check those out for yourself. I won't break down the equipment since they're detailed in the text, but we get a decent amount of stuff. The carry weight is 220, initiative is 18, and we've got 12 health points. Now, I want these guys at second level so they're of equal strength to our party. That means we add a health point, bringing the total to 13. Add one point to a skill, so we'll add one to agility and make it eight. And we get another perk. I chose Gunslinger, which is detailed on page 65. Oh, and if you want to see what the character sheet looks like, it's up on the website, badgmproductions.net. Just use the tabs up at the top until you get to character sheets, then choose Fallout, then choose Marvin's Carvins. So, I said something about customizing your NPC. Most of that is going to come from equipment, since there are choices you can make along the way. I'd also argue that you could adjust some of the special scores to fit more what your thought of these guys would be. Perk choices would also help you customize them, though I'd say overall that you don't want to stray too far off of this beaten path. Again, these are folks, and I say folks because there won't just be men in the group, who've been brainwashed into being stone-cold killers. These aren't the types that would be expected to do much thinking, and they're not going to be much into negotiating. Okay, so we've built them out. Let's get to actually building the campaign. We'll pick up at the end of last session with the group successfully, we hope, delivering Jeb's granddaughters back to him and collecting their reward. They're standing out in the open and it's starting to get a little late in the day. Where they go depends on the choice they made about setting up a base of operations. If they chose to fortify the old McGurks, then they'll head back there to set up for the night. If not, they'll need to find a place to settle in before the things that go bump in the night actually start bumping. They can actually find a burned out building about a block west of Jeb's place. It doesn't have a roof, but the four walls are pretty much still standing and they're tall enough to provide cover and some shelter. It does appear as if someone stayed there at some point as there's an old fire ring in the middle of the floor. However, if they check it out, it's at least several days old, no rolls needed. The only way they'll have a fire is if they've managed to scrounge up some wood to burn, but that should have been fairly easy to do as they went about their day. They should set a watch, then turn in for the evening. 
Now, this would be a good point to work in some backstory for the characters. Regardless of where they stay for the night, there will, most likely, be two people on watch at any given time, and they'll need to do something to pass the time. So this would be a good point for some of them to start getting to know each other, and sharing some of their backstory would be a good place to start. This will also give you a better idea of what the player's thoughts on the backstory are, and thus give you the opportunity to figure out what's going to matter to them heading forward. In other words, your players, through roleplay, are going to give you the seeds you can use to build on their backgrounds moving ahead. We'll give the group another peaceful evening, though they do hear sounds of conflict from the South and the West, However, it's far enough away they should think twice about heading off to meet it. Now, if they're the types that feel like getting froggy with it, let them go. Use the Raider stats we've used previously and go with double the number of group members. The reason for this is that regardless of which way they go, they'll run into two groups that are fighting each other. They can pick over the bodies if they're successful, so there's that as well. Morning arrives and the group will need to figure out what's next for them. This would be the point to note that there are rules in the game concerning food and water. These guys need to be taking in water every couple of hours and food a couple times a day. If they don't, they're going to start having some serious problems, and the need for food and water is what should be driving them today since they probably don't have a whole lot of either one left. That means they need to head off and find someone willing to trade for it. If you've got a survivor in your group, they'll know of someone who they can trade for food with. She'll note that she, quote, isn't the most polite woman on the planet, but if you've got caps, she's got food, end quote. She's set up several blocks east of their current position in a little shack she built right on the banks of the Mississippi River. This also gives them a chance to scavenge for more materials along the way. Anyone who's interested can make an endurance plus survival roll with a difficulty of two. For each success, give them one unit of the material of your choice from wood, cloth, and metal. Also remember that some of your characters might have perks that give them extra stuff and add that to their take accordingly. When they get to the riverfront, their gaze is immediately drawn to the decent-sized shack among the various piles of garbage and wreckage on the riverfront. It's got a huge metal sign hanging above it with the words Liza's Place painted on it in a number of different colors. The player who knew of the location will note that she's added on recently. They'll probably shrug like it's no big deal, and for the record, it's not a big deal. Liza does a lot of business and adds on to her place frequently. There's no door, but there is a doorway. Entering, they are immediately noticed by a Mr. Gutsy, who turns to face them. Welcome to Liza's place. Please keep all weapons secured on your person, and there will be no reason for us to fire on you. Now that should be enough. The group should move on, but I know my group, and someone will probably ask a question or two. So, here's the info Mr. Gutsy will be willing to give. His name is B495. By us, he means the other four Mr. Gutsies in the building, which he won't point out. But eagle-eyed characters can notice. That's a perception plus luck. Three difficulty. Liza is here, and she's at the counter waiting for customers. That's it. That's all he's going to say. It's time to move on. If they keep asking questions, he returns to the statement he made when they came in. Liza appears to be quite unremarkable, and what I mean by that is her appearance isn't one you'd necessarily remember if you haven't seen her four or five times. She's the type of person who could easily get lost in a small group of people. She stands just shy of five feet tall, weighs about 100 pounds, and has her blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail. Even her green eyes are pale enough to not stand out. Her greeting to the group is some sort of rude or foul language, with the basic idea being, 
what do you want? And her body language reading, how fast can we get this done and get you out of here? This is gonna probably take a bit of real time since your group members will want to haggle and or barter to sell and buy things. Haggling is where things would start and it's an opposed charisma plus barter check. Now we'll handle up a straight up barter in a minute. I'd also note that the full rules for these are on pages 85 and 86. So check those out when we're done for the lowdown. For the record, we're using the listed prices in the book for everything. Liza will start out by wanting 30% more for any item she's selling, but will only want to give half the value for anything she's buying. So if the PC succeeds on the opposed roll, adjust the number by 10%, depending on whether it's a buy or sell. They can also spend two action points to slide the number 20% in either direction instead of 10%. So that's a good idea for them as well. And in case you're wondering, they still have whatever APs they had at the end of the last session. I will let you know when we reset action points. Failure means the prices stay where they are and we're not going to spend action points to make it harder on them. They don't have a lot of caps right now, so we're going to go a bit easier on them. And remember, if the PC doing the haggle has the cap collector perk, they automatically get a 10% slide in price, so they could get as high as 30% either way if they succeed and they spend two action points. And for the record, Liza's target number is a 13. Don't ask me where I got that. That's just what we're going to go with for her on the opposed roll. Complications are explained in the book, so I'll leave that for you to read. Once the deal is basically done, we can get into the barter. Here's how it works. Add up the cost of everything they want to buy and the money offered for what they're selling. Then subtract the smaller number from the larger number. If it's in the group's favor, there's no need to barter. However, it's probably going to be in Liza's favor, so let's barter. Whomever is handling the transaction makes their charisma plus barter roll with a difficulty of three. There are a couple of perks that can help with this. Junktown Jerky Vendor, which lowers the difficulty by one, and Smooth Talker, which allows the player to re-roll 1d20. For every success, the deficit is cut in half until they reach zero. In no instance would a deficit be turned into profit. That's not how this is going to work. Complications on this mean whomever has negotiated has somehow offended Liza, and while she'll agree with the deal, she will refuse to deal with the character who offended her any further. It doesn't change how she feels about the rest of the group, just the player who offended her. Okay, so we know how the process works. What can the group reasonably buy in here? There are some who would make the equipment lists of the book available in their entirety. We are not going to do that. Here's what's available. For ammo, there's 38 caliber, 10 millimeter, 308, and shotgun shells. Guns, 10 millimeter pistols, submachine guns, double-barreled shotguns, the three versions of pipe guns, and laser muskets. Chems, they'll have diluted stim packs. Any melee weapons they want are available. Molotov cocktails are available. And any rarity zero or one food item, check the chart for that information. Also, dirty water and purified water are the only drinkable consumables that are available. All of this stuff is charted out on the various charts starting on page 91 of the book, so head there. I should also note that Liza does not have any armor for sale, though she'll willingly trade for it if the group has any to sell. Once the deal's done, Liza has a proposition for the group. 
She was expecting a delivery this morning, but it never arrived. Her courier, about whom she has some very colorful things to say, is usually very prompt, though he does tend to forget or lose some of the things he's supposed to bring. Even though she curses his very name, she is concerned about him and his delivery, since she was supposed to be getting a decent amount of caps in the delivery. So, she needs someone to figure out what happened to Manny, that's her courier, and if something bad happened, try to secure the delivery and bring it back to her. She notes he was coming down the riverfront from just south of the arch, so it shouldn't have been a big issue. However, she has heard there's been some increased raider activity in the area recently, and while she encouraged Manny to take someone with him, she's pretty sure his thriftiness overwhelmed his common sense. This is going to be another one of those haggle deals. Liza offers 75 caps on the deal. If the group succeeds on the opposed role, she'll go to 85 caps, but no higher. If the group chooses not to take the deal, then the negotiation's over. She'll give them a piece of her mind, then dismiss them. However, there's another way to get a little bit more out of Liza. If the group was unsuccessful in their barter attempt in the deal, Liza will offer to wipe out the deficit and pay them the caps if that opposed role succeeded for the group. That's as good a deal as they're going to get. Regardless of how it went down, Liza is finished with them for now as she's got more customers coming in and she needs to deal with them. So, what exactly is the group looking for? She has a couple hundred rounds of 10mm ammo, 100 rounds of 308, and 200 caps coming in. She had given him the numbers during the deal, so if the group either failed the negotiation or decided not to take the deal, they can decide to try to hijack the shipment for themselves. I mean, it, it is a dog-eat-dog world out there these days, and occasionally you happen to be the one wearing the milk bone underwear. So, yeah, maybe we ought not go there. It does not matter what their decision is vis-a-vis -vis keeping or turning in the shipment. Our build is going to work the same way. The streets heading north towards the arch are destroyed. I mean, you'd need military-grade equipment to drive on them, and since they don't have any of that, they're going to be walking and finding ways around the jagged hunks of concrete sticking up out of the ground. They also have to contend with the buildings that lie in rubble along the way. If you're the type who likes to give your group a bigger challenge than what we've built, go ahead and throw a group or two of raiders in here. Keep the numbers either equal to or one less than the number of PCs, and they can scavenge gear off of them. Probably to sell to Liza if they're doing this all nice and legit. If there are no conflicts along the way, it'll take them about 40-45 minutes to reach the point we need them to reach. If there are conflicts, it'll take closer to between 50 minutes and an hour. Just depends on how long the battle's lasted. Either way, here's what's next. The group can see the arch and the arch grounds just over the collapsed remnants of the old Poplar Street Bridge. There's a ton of concrete and old rebar just sitting there for the taking. However, their attention will be turned to the old burned-out building just south of that. It's one of the few structures around that didn't seem to get damaged during the bombings. Maybe that's because it was already in pretty bad shape, so nobody noticed the difference. However, the group's pretty sure the flames they see flickering from inside the building were not a part of the bombing, nor were the blood-curdling screams they hear coming from inside. The group can choose to approach the building however they want to. There's no lookout, so they won't be spotted. However, you, you don't have to tell them that. If they want to make endurance plus survival checks with a three difficulty, they can eventually figure out that whoever this is did not leave a lookout. Eventually, they'll make their way into the center of the building, so let's set it up. The center room of the building is about 30 feet by 30 feet. In the center of the room, a decent-sized fire has been built and blazes with flames that rise about a foot and a half. 
Four men surround a six-foot-long board that's been raised just over the fire with a couple of metal bars that were jammed into the floor, and the group can just make out a figure tied to that board. The flames are licking at the board, and the men are doing... Well, this is where you decide exactly what the men are doing to him. Just remember, these guys are called Marvin's Carvins for a reason. And because we both know they are going to ask, there are three ammo boxes stacked against the wall just behind one of the figures, and there's a fourth box sitting on top of that. The group can bet even money that those boxes are Liza's delivery. Now, how we move forward is a bit different than what we've done in the past. Sort of. The group is going to want to discuss how to handle this, but you need to point out that they probably don't have much time before they're spotted. Let them talk for a bit, then let them know you need a decision in 60 seconds. Use a timer and count down. If you hit zero before they give you an answer, one of the men notices the group, then it's on. Should the group decide to take action before you get to that time, we'll do what I call a modified surprise round. There aren't really rules for this, so here's how I like to do it. The entire group acts first, regardless of initiative. Then the NPCs can act. If we get to a round two, it's standard initiative. Also, if the group doesn't get the drop on the men, one of them will put a bullet through Manny's head, so that'll be that for poor Manny. Use the NPC we created at the top of the show and have the total number of men in the room be two less than the number of PCs. Otherwise, run it like a normal fight. I know I said four, just trust me on this one. Guys will come in from other spots. That's how we'll make that work. Should the group win, they can loot the bodies for their gear and get their hands on Liza's shipment. Should Manny survive, he'll express his gratitude to the group over and over again. This is where the group has a decision to make. Take the stuff back to Liza or keep it for themselves. If Manny survived, he will object severely. That probably going to make it a little more difficult as they'll have to make a decision about letting him live or not since if he lives he could flat out tell Liza that the group stole from her. If he's gone it can be assumed so long as they stay away from Liza's that they were killed and the shipment was taken by some other group. All of that being said your group's the noble type right? So they can return to Liza's give her the shipment and get their reward. They'll probably want to get rid of some of that new stuff they picked up, so refer back to the stuff we covered earlier about haggling and bartering. When they're done, there's still enough time left in the day to do some scavenging, so let them do that if they want. They also have the option to check the board they notice outside of Liza's that has jobs posted on it. If that's the option they choose, we'll need to wait and cover that next week because we're at a good stopping point for today's show. Next week, we pick up with the job board and see what kind of shenanigans we can get our group into. In the meanwhile, check out our other show, Role Playing History. This week, we do a listener request and deep dive Fantasy Games Unlimited. It's got a pretty interesting history, as well as some stellar games, so you won't want to miss it. Role Playing History is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, badgmproductions.net. Also, since we finally got the new studio finished, I've been recording a few videos. Looking at some YouTube exclusives, some I'm going to put on Facebook, and there are going to be some that are website exclusives. If you follow us on Facebook or subscribe to the YouTube channel, you'll know when we drop new stuff there. Insofar as the website, I'd suggest you check it out a couple times a week to see what we've dropped there. We also take suggestions for video topics you would like to see, so hit us up and let us know. All Fallout materials referenced on this show are the trademarked and copyrighted property of Modifius Entertainment through their license with Bethesda Games and are used on this show for entertainment purposes only. 
If you're interested in checking out all of the fine products from Modifius, hit up their website, M-O-D-I-P-H-I-U-S dot net. The music we use for this show comes from Pixabay.com. Check them out for all your license-free, royalty-free music needs. Bad GM's Campaign Build Along is a production of Bad GM Productions. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash gaming forward slash Bad GM Prod. On Twitter at Bad GMP. YouTube and Tumblr, it's Bad GM Productions. You can email us, badgmproductions at gmail.com. And the website, again, is badgmproductions.net. Next week, we give our group a job to do. Sounds boring when I say it that way. But rest assured, it'll be anything but boring. That's next week, though. Until then, I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and I'll see you at the game table.